Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. And welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, support the people that support us, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. And uh, do check out all the stuff at drdrew.com. Get on the contact list. Ask your questions. I'll get to them. And uh, check out the family pods there. We appreciate it. The opiate story. We've got like a multi-chapter series there about how we got into this mess and how we get out and what some of my concerns are. Please check out the opium story there at drdrew.com. I am privileged to welcome Amber Rose to the show today. Amber, welcome. Oh, thank you. This is great. I'm really looking forward to this. Me too. I'm so, so excited. We have you took over the Love Line whole thing, and you've mm-hmm. been doing that. Thank you for that. Yep. Has that been fun? Yeah, actually, um, we stopped doing that probably a few months ago, but um, we we got a good two and a half years in, so it was That's awesome. Great. Yeah, it's great. And the Amber Rose Show is the new podcast. It's every Thursday on iTunes or Podcast One. Uh, we've got the Amber Rose Slut Walk coming up. That's uh, Check out details at AmberRoseSlutWalk.com. October 6th starts, starts at Pershing Square. And where does it go? So basically, uh, yeah, it starts a couple blocks back. We walk initially in the morning, and then we have a full festival at Pershing Square for the rest of the day. Awesome. Yeah, So awesome. where do you want people to sort of congregate? Or would they just go to AmberRoseSlutWalk.com and figure that out? Yeah. Just go to the website. <laughs> because right. every year it gets it's more and more people, so the walk gets longer. So we kind of have to push it back a block or two every year. Is it a big turnout now, right? Yeah. Last year we had over 20,000 people. Oh, my God. It really, that's huge. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Good for you. Thank you. So uh, also check out Amber Stuff, Twitter at The Real Amber Rose, Instagram at Amber Rose. Go to the Amber Rose official app. Yes. That's where everything is there. Just launched. Just do that. Get the app. Get it uh, all. So here's the. I want to hear. I want to learn more about you. Okay. Yeah. Because I ask away. I think people know you, but they don't know you, and so I'm, I'm. I agree. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in South Philly. I'm and, a hometown Philly girl. And, and brothers and sisters. I have two little brothers, um, twenty and twenty two, and I'm thirty four. So huh. they were yeah. Uh, but they grew up, up in Colorado Springs because my father was in the military. And he retired there and then had my little brothers with my stepmom. Wait, I'm confused. Were you living there with them then in Colorado? Uh, I used to visit. I like I went to school out there for like a year or two. And then I would go back to Philly with my mom and then go back again. So they're half brothers, right? Yes. Half brothers. Yep. A- and your mom and dad split up when you were how old? Six. And what happened? Um, I think that what happened was my mom got pre- – my mom met my dad – and uh, six months later, she was pregnant with me. And my, you know, like th- around that time, you know, it was like to do the right thing was to get married. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they never really had a good connection. Um, and then my dad joined the military when he found out my mom was pregnant. So it was like they didn't really know each other that well. And then he was always gone. And was it military move to sort of deal with the expense of a family to have that sort of base oh yeah my dad was like a pill popping like south philly italian macho kind of guy pill popping what do you mean i mean he was just like you know he was just it was the 70s he was like you know um 70s and 80s and he just he was kind of just doing drugs and going yeah going down the wrong path um and when he found out my mom was pregnant, he was like, I need to clean my life up. And he joined the army. I see. The military was sort of straightening him out. Yeah. Got it. And yep. what was your mom like? Um, My mom's cool. She's a, She was a waitress for 35 years. What's her ethnicity? Dad was Italian, you said? My dad's Italian and Irish. Yeah. And my mom is West African. Interesting. What part of West Africa? Cape Verde. Cape Verde, which is... Ten islands off the coast of West Africa. Oh, how interesting! Have you yeah. been back? I have not. I've been to Ghana, Nigeria. I've I've never been to Cape Verde yet. There, there is that whole West African history is f- so interesting. Mm-hmm, it I, is. And, and, and if I have some friends from West Africa, and I always ask them about it, and they just go, "We don't, we don't think about it." I'm like, "What, what was happening?" <laughs> well, I get asked a lot because I'm like racially ambiguous, so. Uh-huh. People are always like, what are you? And I tell them, and I'm like, you know, Cape Verdean, Italian, and Irish. They're like, oh, you don't look Cambodian. Oh. And I'm like, no. Okay. They, you know, people don't really know what Cape Verdean is. So 
But but West Africa, I mean, they're really you know we should know the history of Africa the way that we know the history of the Americas. You know what I mean? Right. And, and we don't. And my friends that are West Africa always just they'll point back at that Mali king that was the wealthiest man in the world. I forget his name. Mm. There was a king that was in just just inland from West Africa mm-hmm. who was went on a world tour and he literally crashed the world gold market because he just had so much gold it was like oh ridiculous. my god yeah was, hey, Gary, Gary look up Molly King forget his name <laughs> well I did my ancestry and um um I my my African side is from Mali Senegal Nigeria and Cameroon so I guess they all kind of migrated off the coast well see that's what's interesting to me is it is sort of we should understand those migrations and what was happening yeah. and the wars and who you know the kings and there's, there's a whole history very that we, fascinating we, we should know it the way we know history of, of Europe go ahead Musa that's Musa I yeah Musa I mm. this guy this guy was the richest man in history oh wow in history if you want to see a, a brief uh, sort of review of him. Um, I think Drunk History did a little version of him oh, in last season, so you can see the Drunk History <laughs> that goes through it. So, okay, so there. And your mom was she immigrant or was she been here for a while? When she no, my mom was born in Brooklyn, um, raised in South Philly. So that's how she met my dad. Okay, I mean, it sounds like a kind of uh, sort of is. I know there's a lot going on, but it was kind of uneventful, right? They just were two young people struggling and doing their thing. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just kind of happened and uh they got married and then things didn't we're work an out earthquake. we're actually having an earthquake right now you feel that Gary? yes i do we're having a little earthquake yeah there you go that was one cool. last night it's that, ev- I was doing too. that eventful we're having an eventful, <laughs> eventful time here today um uh, yeah so yeah so okay so at six they split up and probably because there was a lot of he was way there was stress there was military he was doing drugs is he still he, no 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 yeah he wasn't doing drugs like once he got into the military it was good but yeah. it's just that my mom had to move to upstate new york for dicks for what uh, Fort dicks. for dicks new york and it was just like she was just with me she was just like a single mom my dad was gone he was in panama germany it's crazy you know, and yeah. then it just got to the point where, like, he came back and they really kind of didn't know each other. Yeah, that makes that sense, well. right? So, yeah. And so they split up. Was that, do you remember that? Was that painful for you? Um, I remember moving back to Philly and living with my aunt and my cousin for a while. Um, I don't think it was really painful because I, I was so young. I don't know. I kind of really didn't fully understand what was going on. And my dad was gone a lot. Anyway. Yeah, when I was young. So. Right. I was just always with my mom anyway, so it was like, all right, we're you know we're going back to Philly. And what was South Philly like for you? Uh, poor. We were very very poor. We were. Was that, was that traumatic? No, being poor like that. No, no, because I had love. My mother loved me. She, uh, you know, we didn't have material things, but I had a lot of love, and um, I feel like that's really what kids need: love and support. Um, you know, my mom always let me be creative and dress myself and. You know stuff like that. I, I 100% agree with you, but but the other the other thing is though, little girls sometimes need their dad around because they feel abandoned and feel like they, he doesn't care enough to stick around. Yeah. Did you have those kinds of feelings? No, because it was very early on when my dad had to leave a lot for the military, um, and then you know my father was in my life. Um, it's just you know when you're in the military or you're uh, an entertainer, like my ex husband is an entertainer. He's been on tour all summer. And he just seen Sebastian today for the first time. Oh wow! Today, um, since the summer started, so and how old is Sebastian now? Five. Yeah, it's important to keep keep the parents around as much as you can. We don't, yeah. we don't even really know what the amount, what the dose is, so to speak. But yeah. we know they need a lot of their parents around. Was, yep. he, was Sebastian excited to see him? Oh yeah, so he loves his dad. Yep. Yeah. How is being a mom? I love it. It's my greatest gift. Um, yeah. My son is my twin. He's my best friend. He's a handful. Boys are a handful, man. Just have a girl. I know. See, see you like <laughs> That's that. next. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that for sure you want another kid? Oh, yeah, do you for wanna sure. Have a, do you want to spin down the Y chromosomes? You're going to have a girl for sure? Uh, you can I, do that. Nah. No. I like to just... See what happens. Yeah. I want to be surprised this time. Oh, surprised. I, I, well, I mean, like, I... Yeah. Roll the dice. Roll, yeah. 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 And is, has being a mom changed you? It makes me work harder. Hmm. I feel like I would I wouldn't be as successful as I am if I wasn't a mother. Um, I definitely feel the urgency to like get up and get shit done. Yeah. Rather than being like, ah, yeah, I'll are, are do you it the, tomorrow. Are you, you're the breadwinner for him. 
What do you I mean, mean? Are the dads dads stepping up, or is I mean, are you the primary? Response? I'm the primary caregiver because I had the opportunity to work from LA, so um, I'm home a lot more often than his father. His father, you know, is a musician, so he has to travel a lot. Yeah, you know. So, and does he have other kids? No. Okay, so that's nice. Yeah, um, and. Let's go back to your. So now he's he's the sort of the same age your son when your family kind of split up. Yeah, is that provocative in any way for you, or just nothing? No, doesn't bring stuff up. And so you're oh in, no in no. South <laughs> yeah, and you're South Philly, and was that you were poor and that was traumatic? Was was it a, a rough? I don't think it was traumatic. I I don't didn't think, mind being poor. No, well I didn't know anything else, but. But that was, I mean, everyone in my neighborhood was poor. It's funny because, you know, I remember being in the welfare line with my mom, you know, getting food stamps. And I used to be like, Mom, if somebody from school sees me, like, my life is over. And she's like, if somebody from your school sees you, that means they're in the welfare line as well. So right, we're we're all getting the we're all getting the food stamps. And so right, and did then did you feel ashamed of that when you were in school and grade school and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you would, I mean, it, it's it's funny looking back because you know everybody was on welfare, yeah, right? You know, but you just feel like you're the only one because no one talked about it, no one spoke about it at all. How were the kids growing up? It's South Philly. It can be a little tough. Oh, it was. T- I mean, I f- I fought every day. It's funny. I you know I moved to L.A. and I I made friends out here and I kind of tell them like the stories of like when I used to you know get jumped on the corner of my block in Philly or like um, you know a girl would come up to me and be like I don't like you I want to fight you and I'd be like all right it was just the culture out there it's just what you had to do you couldn't back down because you can never walk in the neighborhood the same way again. So you had to just fight. Like I have, I actually have a scar right here, um, where I. You opened your knuckle there. What well, was a tooth? A girl's Ugh. tooth got stuck in my Ugh. hand. You mean it was left behind in your yeah. hand? Yeah, <laughs> it was oh left my behind in my hand. Did that get infected? Uh, it didn't. It did not. It did not at the time. Yeah, I had to go to the hospital and get stitches though. <laughs> to get yeah. the tooth out. Yeah. That's crazy. Gross. Do you look back on that now and sort of think, what what the hell was that? Or what do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like, if my son had to go through that now, I would be like, oh, my God. But like I said, it was just all my parents knew. It was all we knew. It was just the culture. It's just how it is. It's almost like it's funny because me and my mom, we talk about stuff like this. Um, If... You know, if I come home and I'm like, mom, you know, this girl was messing with me in school and she'd be like, all right, well, let's just go to her house. And my mom would take me to the girl's house, talk to her mom and be like, yo, let the girls fight and just, you know, make sure it's a fair fight. So nobody jumps in, because if we fought without our parents there, other friends and cousins would jump in and it would be a free for all. Yeah. So like the parents would make sure we would have a fair fight so we can go to school the next day and just be cool. And this, this, and was it always women that you were fighting with, girls rather, or were there boys that got involved too? Um, I always fought girls, but I got jumped by girls and guys. And what, what was that about when that would happen? Um, <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so I mean, it's it's funny now, but I was like, it, I was terrified when I was young. Um, I remember I fought this girl, Christina, and we had a fair fight, and I won. How would you win? Um. I basically got the got the best of her. Yeah. You know, like once they broke it up, it was like, okay, Amber, you you were just doing a lot. Okay. And then um and then what happened was I I beat her and then her boyfriend, her cousin and her aunt. Now her aunt was her, my mom's age. Oh my god. And um her boyfriend was like, "Damn, Chris, you're going to let Amber beat you up like that?" How were you? I was like 14. Uh, and some some 28-year-old mom got into it. Oh yeah, she was definitely in her thirties for Ugh. sure. The aunt, isn't that disgusting? It was it was gross. Yeah. Um. But then the boyfriend was kind of like instigating the situation, and she was like, "Oh, you think she beat me up?" And so she was like, "I want another round," and I was like, "Fine." So we had another round, and then he jumped in, and then her cousin jumped in, and then her aunt jumped in, which was my mom's age at the time, and they beat my ass. They jumped me, and then I ran home three blocks. Uh, 
I had to run three blocks home and we lived on the third floor apartment. And I was like, mom, come outside. They just jumped me around the corner. And then my mom came down and they went around the corner in the car. The aunt pulled up on me again because I start running. They wanted to come and find me again. And do what? Kill you? Beat, beat me up again. And then my mom came out um, and she dragged the, the aunt out of the car and beat her ass in the street. <laughs> and it was just... It was just a very hood ghetto mentality, but it was just like, I mean, it was just, it was normal. I, I get you didn't know anything different, but it still sounds highly traumatic, particularly that it last. It was just, it was just so normal. It, I don't know. I don't know another way to explain it. Especially this, this last one. It sounds like you said terrified and that's, that defines trauma as terif- terrifying. Yeah, I terrifying. was definitely, I was scared every time I fought, but I just knew that I had to. Like it was but fear fear of fighting that kind of stuff is one thing, but really being terrified that something bad's gonna happen to you that that's a diff- that's trauma that's what trauma is, yeah, and so how many times did you have to go through something like that where you you're worried about your survival um I don't know if I was ever worried about my survival it sounds like this one you were no i just I just knew that I got jumped and i knew that they were coming back around the corner to jump me again i I didn't think I was gonna die or like. I just thought I was going to, you know, maybe have a black eye, some bruises. My hair was going to come out a little bit, but. So when you say you were terrified, just terrified of the the pain? I think, no, I think it's just the anxiety, like, before you get on an amusement park ride or, like, something like that. It's like, you got to do it. Like, you're just going to do it, but you still have that anxiety before you do it. How long did it, did that fighting go for? When did it stop? I, I think the last fight I got in, I was probably like 17, 18. Um, Anything ever go bad? You like really ever hurt somebody or anybody ever nearly really hurt you? No, it was usually like a neighborhood situation where we would either get jumped or or fight each other one-on-one and then we would be like friends. But nobody ended up in the hospital or anything? So, no, yeah. mm-mm. No. Well, that's not so bad. It doesn't make much sense, but it's not <laughs> so bad. I feel like people listening that grew up in like the inner city would understand. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. But but once they sort of become – Howard Stern talks about having this life when he was in uh, Roosevelt, that, that that he every day was getting beat up. and. Oh, yeah. Fight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah and, for and sure. I, I, just, I just think these days some of that goes way further, mm-hmm. you know. It definitely does. You can't. There's no fair fights anymore. Right. It's, I mean, even if you get jumped, it's like, I mean, they jumped me, but they didn't jump me to the point where they wanted to kill me or like really do serious damage. They just kind of wanted to fuck me up real quick. Right. You know, I get it. it. Um, I saw. What did I see? This. Uh, you, you were stripping at age fifteen. That's the first time I stripped. And, and tell me how that happened. Um, well, I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood with drug dealers and strippers, so it was just kind of like... Also seemed normal. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed normal, yeah. Um, and then I tried to sell drugs, but I was, they told me I was going to get robbed because I was a girl and I was, you know, pretty and it, it would be easy to take drugs from me. So I couldn't do that. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll just try stripping, um... And then I did, and I was like, dude, I can't do this. This is, like, too much. Because I, I, like, worked in, like, a hole-in-the-wall bar because I was young. I wasn't old enough. And then I went and got, like, a fake ID, and then I got into a more reputable club where they weren't allowed to touch you or anything like that. So Did that affect your feeling about Because you're pretty young still then. I mean, did, did it affect your feelings about men? Um, No. I don't really have any traumatic experience stripping. Yeah, but sometimes women get sort of grossed out by men the way, you know what I mean? It's like, ugh. No, because the club that I worked at, it was um, it was a gentleman's club, so it wasn't like, um, they couldn't touch you. It was more like bachelor parties. It was kind of like fun, and then you would, you know, I don't know. I guess I, I was always confident with my body. I didn't think it was like a big deal to like have like my boobs out or anything, Um and um, and I was making a shitload of money when I was young, so it was like I didn't I didn't care about any of that. So more than anything, it was just it was a financial move. Yeah, for sure. And then that is that after that is that when you got out of Philly? Were that still in South Philly at that point? 
Yeah, I was still in South Philly. I moved to New York when I was like 19. And um, I was dancing out there, and the money was very different in New York. Better or worse? Way better. Way, way, way better. Because in Philly, it was like lap dance, lap dance, lap dance, 20, 20, 20. So you would have to really hustle. In New York, they would just throw money on you on stage. Like You would just walk out with like trash bags of ones every night, and you didn't really have to even interact with people at all, which made it way way more easier and the, so now you're how old in new york city like 19 and are you thinking about doing other things at that point yeah so i wanted to model uh-huh. um i was five nine skinny you know and um and i got i got signed to ford models in new york finally did they make you stop stripping or do they know or they care yeah yeah they don't give a shit about any of that and um yeah, and then after that, I was living in the projects in the Bronx. Um, funny story about that. Not so funny, but kind of funny. So my one of my friends was had had full blown AIDS, mm. and her T cells were under two hundred. Oh boy! And in New York, you get free housing if you have full blown AIDS. So. I was like, I told her, I was like, I want to move to New York. And she was like, well, you know, you can just have my apartment because I get free housing and just give me cash. And what was she going to do? She just, you know, had like a boyfriend. and so She can go okay. stay with someone else, but she wouldn't have to work. I would just give her cash money for her free apartment. Got it. And that's how I moved to New York. It, did she get proper treatment, make it through or no longer She did us? not make it through. Yeah. No. And she passed in you know 2009. How did you know her? I knew her from Philly. I, I grew up. I grew up with a, a gay boy, um, and we would go to like the neighborhood and stuff like that. So I made a lot. Neighborhood. That's hysterical. Yeah. That's the first I've heard that. <laughs> I made a lot of um, gay friends, transgender friends. Were you? Do you remember the whole AIDS epidemic? Were you? Do you old enough to remember that? No, I wasn't. No. It was so horrible. Oh my yeah. god, it was awful. Yeah. I no. took care of tons of those guys, and it was just the saddest, saddest, saddest chapter. And there's no one left to talk about it. They're all dead. They're all dead, yeah. It, it was just, <clears throat> ugh. So I went to five funerals um, for my friends in 2009. This is from friends from the neighborhood. Yeah. So before before we really had this thing under control. It was in 2009. They all died in the same year. Just... Yep. Did they not properly... By then, they should have had the treatment. They had the cocktails, but I felt like... um, They weren't taking them or something? They weren't taking them because the cocktails would make you look... Yeah, they would make you look sick, Mm -hmm. but you would internally be healthier. But, you know, in the gay community, it's all about how you look. And um, I remember my friend was just like, I'm not taking that shit. I'm just... I'm going out and I'm going to look beautiful. Oh, my God. How awful. Yeah. Now it's better. Sad. Believe me, it's a lot better now. It is. If you like my show, you're really going to love Life Reboot on Podcast One. It's time to live your best life. And host Leah Messer and Lindsay Riley and Brian Scott are here to give you the tools you need to empower yourselves and live life to the fullest. Check out Life Reboot every Wednesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I love purple mattresses. Uh, we have one in our house. We put it in this uh, essentially a guest room. And uh, every time we have somebody come over to spend the night at our house, they rave about this mattress so much so I actually get jealous thinking about uh, just sleeping in that room and leaving my wife behind. Maybe she'll join me in there because she – I don't know if she feels the same envy that I feel about the mattress. But it's like nothing you've ever felt before. It's a brand-new material developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam you're accustomed to. It feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. keeps everything supported while feeling comfortable and breathable so it's cool. And, of course, they have a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. And it's so easy. They just drop it off. They'll pick it up. And it's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping, free returns. That's all you got to know. You're going to love Purple as much as I do. And now our listeners get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text DREW, D-R-E-W, to 474747. Text DREW. To 474747. That's the only way to get that free pillow. You will want it. Believe me. Text Drew to 474747. Again, DREW to 474747.
Well, Theraworks Relief has been a godsend for some of my patients. If you've tried it, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard me talking about it for a while now. It's a non-greasy foam clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. If you or a loved one with leg or foot cramps, you know what I'm talking about, how painful it can be, how disruptive of sleep. And with daily use, Theraworks Relief can prevent muscle cramps before they start. They allow you to get a full night's sleep and do the activities you want to do, like work out without worrying about pain or being unable to even get through the workout. Theraworks Relief only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it works. I recommend Theraworks Relief to my family, friends, patients, and the results have spoken for themselves. It's my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours, too. Get Theraworks Relief in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or do talk to your pharmacist. They're as enthused as I am because you don't have to use medication anymore. You just put on this foam, and you're good to go. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That is Theraworks with an X, T-H-E-R-A-W-O-R-X, Theraworks Relief for your muscle cramps. Do you still have lots of gay friends? I do. Do, do they talk about that era much? Do they think about that at all? Or is just a, let's ancient history? Well, my now? generation was past that era, the era where you like got full-blown AIDS and died in two weeks. Yeah. You know, that I, we were past I, that. That's what I remember. Right. Ugh. Yeah, that was that was that was the eighties. Yeah, it was terrible. Yep. I literally, I'd sit people down and tell them they have six months to live all the time, mm-hmm. like every day, and I was never wrong. Yeah, no, it was it was yeah. There's nothing crazy. we could do. There's nothing we could do. So so, were you are you gay or have been gay or you're fluid? What's the sort of? I'm I'm yeah. I, I date I date anybody. And, and so when you were when you, and when you say you're in the gay neighborhood, was that gay men only or just everybody gay? Oh, everybody gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. Yeah, uh, and presently girlfriend, boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. He's in the NBA. He plays for the Nuggets. Nice. Yeah, he's amazing. He's cool. awesome. That's good. how long you guys been dating? A couple months. Congratulations. Thank you. That's good. Are you ever gonna get married again? I don't know. That's not my ultimate goal. I've I've been married. I'm divorced. I feel like. Once you're married, you kind of realize that you can have a really great relationship without all the paperwork and shit. So you can, but it it gives some protections to children and stuff, and it creates a sort of a it protects the couple too in certain ways. Yeah, you know, it, it helps prolong the a family Dr. unit. Dr. Drew, I just want to be happy. That's, I understand that. That's all I want. <laughs> Marriage comes, and that's awesome. But I just, I really just want. I've been in a lot of toxic relationships and i feel like i have a good one now because well, i can see the toxicity from a mile away and what what do you mean by toxicity um just extreme narcissistic sociopaths and i didn't even know what i was dealing with for years so so narcissists those had a little different so so people that were sort of self-absorbed gave you nothing right manipulated no initially gave me everything um until I I was head over heels and then kind of backtracked and tried to find an easy way out because it was never – it was empty promises from the beginning. Like nothing really ever mattered. So you're capable of getting deeply involved with somebody. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it sounds like those experiences sort of have soured you on relationships a little bit. Um, I definitely have my guard up. I see things differently. Like once you have that clarity of what you're dealing with, you can kind of see a toxic person as soon as they come your way. Well, I tell you, one thing that starts to happen is if you're if you're a person who is attracted to that kind of person, mm-hmm. that will kind of always be there. So you know, if you're super attractive, be careful. Yeah, <laughs> that's that guy. Well, I feel like they're attracted to me because it, it I'm, works both ways. It yeah, goes both ways. I'm a really like I'm a lovable person. I'll stroke your ego all day just naturally because I want the best for you. And um they they're like a parasite. They feed off of that and then when they're done it's I'm disposable at that That's point. more than narcissist. Yeah, it's not sociopath, that's narcissist. Narcissist for sure. Yeah. And and are you a love addict, do you think? Um I I love love, but um I have faith in humanity. I feel like I I have faith in people because I'm I'm a genuinely good-hearted person. Um, I don't do things. I don't manipulate people. I don't use people for anything. Um, and you know, I, it's funny because I actually have arguments like with my security because he's like my big brother, and he's like, "Why do you make these people your friend? They don't care about you." And I'm like, "Dude, 
you don't know. You have to give people opportunity. I'm like, I give you opportunity to work for me and my assistant. I'm like, if I think everyone is out to get me, I'll never have anyone around me. I think what he's talking about, though, I, I get you and I and I like that. Yeah. But I think what he's talking about is, you know, the love addiction and codependency kind of go together. And and maybe, you know, seeing people more clearly, having better boundaries, that's kind of what he's talking about. Yeah. Which is, eh, it's always a good thing. Yeah. If you were talking to your 12-year-old self now, what would you tell her? <clears throat> oh, my God. 12 was such a hard age. It's funny. I knew that somehow. I could just see that Fuck. on you still. I still, whatever you're saying about it not being traumatic, I still feel like 12 <laughs> fucked you up a little bit. 12 was like, I, I feel like I was suffering a deep depression at 12 years old. How come? I don't know. I don't know. I remember having extreme anxiety where I would go to my mom or my dad and I would be like, I can't see straight. Mm. And I wear glasses. I've, I've worn glasses since I was six years old. And I thought it was my vision. But really, it was constant panic attacks that were making my life animated. Mm. I was seeing things differently. Did it feel like you were watching a movie at a distance? Kind yeah, of thing? it was yeah. hard. Yeah, it's called it was, dissociation. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was De- horrible. Dissoci- or depersonalized. You feel like you cease to exist. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was experiencing Ugh, at 12. At 12. Ugh. I had that at 19. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was horrible. And to be that age, like I just got my period. I just got my boobs. My hormones were like, you know, it was just a horrible time. Were there other, other things going on in your life that made it that much worse? That's the first year I lived with my dad since I was six. Oh, in Colorado. Yeah. And, and that was not good. It was good, but I feel like I've been with my mom my whole life, and then I lived with my dad when I was twelve. Did you abandon mom? Like I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna go live with dad. No, it wasn't anything mean. I love my mom; she's awesome. You just my dad's for your dad. awesome too. Yeah, it was just like, all right, I've been with you like my whole life. I'm twelve years old. I want to try to go live with daddy for a year and just see what it's like. And what was it like? He was very militant, and my mom wasn't. Because you know, from the stories I told you earlier, it was very like. Oh, she wants to fight you? Okay, let's go around the corner. You get a fair fight. Boom. Dinner will be ready at 6. You know, get get ready for school the next day. It was just culturally how I grew up. And then I went to my dad's house, and he was like, your bed needs to be made. You need to get in the shower three times a day. You three know, times a day? Yeah, like before school, after school, wow. and before bed. Wow. Um, was he abusive? No. Just harsh? I don't even know if it was harsh. Intense. I think that he just didn't know how to deal with a teenage daughter with the attitude <laughs> and a period. And like, it was just like, whoa, what happened to the six year old? Like, <laughs> and, he had, <laughs> and he had, he had two boys. No, the boys weren't around yet. No, they weren't oh, around yet. Oh, just you. Oh yeah. my goodness. Do you have a wife yet? Yeah. How was she? Oh my God. Me and her <laughs> we used to fight so oh, much. Oh my God. How were things at school down there in Colorado? It was hard for me because I went to a public South Philly school and then I went to Colorado Springs where it's like academically it was so inclined. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Did you get in trouble? Yeah, I got in trouble a lot. With what? Um, Talking back, having an attitude, um, you know, not – I don't know. I, I couldn't really deal with authority. How about the other kids? What do you mean? The other kids at school? Were you having trouble with them? No, actually, I, I, I have friends. They've been my friends for 22 years. I met them when I was 12. Because 12 is tough for girls. They can start to fight with each other, you know, mistreat each other. Nope. Yeah, my, they've been good. my friends for 22 years. Well, I just cool. seen them two days ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so, so let's, let's back away from, <laughs> from Amber, the 12-year-old, for a second. And I, I want to hear more about <clears throat> your commitment to this. I want to hear about the... the Amber Rose Show, what, what people are going to learn on that, why they should tune in and why does it download it. And then the Slut Walk, what your intention is with that. Let's start with the show. Yeah, so the Amber Rose Show is a podcast. Yeah. And um, and we do talk everything sex, relationships. Um, I'm very open and honest um, about my life and the shit that you know I've experienced. Um, I'm with Dr. Chris as well. And we go over news stories from all over the world, um, taboo you know, kind of, um, um, you know, different, you know, stories, people call in, stuff like that. It's, um, and if, if they're, let's sort of, sort of to give a little sampling, 
if there was one sort of relationship issue that keeps you keep hearing about, sort of drives you a little crazy, people keep doing the mistakes they make. Is there, is there one thing? <laughs> I would say, um, I would say the question that we get the most is, um, if I uh, like a guy would call in and yeah. he would say. If I do this with my girlfriend, does that make me gay? Oh, my God. So if I need a sex, <laughs> yeah. am I gay? Yeah. If my girlfriend plays with my ass, am I gay? It's yeah. like, no, dude. Like, that's what we get all the time. It's, it's so, so annoying. Weird, that, that homophobia. That, that, yeah. That Any ass play is just gay. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So you set them straight. Good. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy one. Um, anything else? I mean, we had some fucking dark shit. Like, some dark ass like what what happened um I, it, okay so we had this one caller where she um she was like she met this guy on tinder and she, um you know they kind of had like a one-night stand and the guy ejaculated on her chest mm-hmm. and so she developed this rash well, that's real common that's very common yeah so she yeah, got people, people they'll get it right in the actual pattern of the the liquid. Right. Yeah. So she says she got this rash. So she went to the doctor and the doctor said this type of rash comes from, you know, a, a, a penis that either has sex with animals. No, that's not true. Or oh has sex God. or has sex with dead bodies no, like necrophilia. No, no, no. And they said it's a bacteria. No, that's no. what that's what she said. Yeah, that, there may be stuff like that, but it's actually is allergic usually. It's very common. Oh yeah. So, well yeah, uh, that's it, what she said. And but then she said that she um found out that the guy feel. did work at a morgue. Oh. I swear to God, I like was sweating. I'm like this. I can't. I can't deal with this. This is too crazy. <laughs> this is a case against Tinder. <laughs> oh my God, that's hysterical. Okay, so you got to check out the Amber Rose Show if you want to hear high uh, high wire act like that. And then the slut walk. Tell me about that. Where that came from and why it's important to you. So the slut walk. I did not start the slut walk. I just have my own slut walk. Um, like it, it was in New York first, wasn't it? It was in Toronto first. Toronto. Okay. And um, basically, a woman was sexually assaulted on a college campus. She went to the authorities, told them what happened. And then they kind of went back up to the school and, uh, you know, and said, you girls can't dress like sluts and expect guys to not want to, you know, touch you. And the girls are like, how are you going to victim blame us for what we had on? Like, it doesn't matter what we had on. It's not an invitation for you to touch us inappropriately. And so when I became famous, I... You know, I was getting slut shamed all over for the fact that I used to be a dancer. Um, slut shamed just for dancing. That's it. Because huh. I'd only been with Kanye for like I was with Kanye for like two years. Nobody knew me to be with anybody else. They just slut shamed me because I used to be a dancer. And who who was they? Who was going after you? Just you know the internet, the media. This is the beginning radio. of social media too. Then that was like what two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yep. Yeah, that's when social media was getting going, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was really really bad for me. Um, and then you know after that, I got married. I was with him for a couple years, and then it was like um, your marriage didn't work out because you're a whore. And I'm like, and and I and I would watch my ex husband just be with a million bitches on the internet, and I like literally was like at home with my baby, like crying and shit. And it was like, it's your fault. You're the stripper. You're the disgusting one. Whiz, go fuck bitches. Live your best was life. Was this women doing this or men or both? B- both, hmm. both. Um, and then it was just like. You know, it was just like I couldn't say hi. I couldn't say hi to any. Like, I, like I, I would run into you on the street. Hey, Doctor Drew, and then someone would take a picture. Amber and Doctor Drew are dating. Blah, blah blah blah. And I would find myself being like, so you were a, a scandal sort of every machine. day though, yeah. every day. And I would find myself being like, I'm not with him. I just said hi, or he was in the same restaurant. I don't know this guy. Blah blah blah. And then I got to the point where I was just like, man, fuck this shit. You know what? You want to call me a hoe? You want to call me a slut? I'm going to embrace it. And not even that. On top of it, I'm going to troll you even more and do extra slutty shit on purpose to piss you off. Like what? What did you do? Like (laughs) I would just, you know, I would wear something, you know, extra provocative. Yeah. So people could be like, wow, she really is a fucking slut. We hate her. Did that that help? Did that turn it? It helped. Yeah. It helped me. It, It was just like, you know what? I was taking the power away from everyone. And um, and then I, I started my slut walk. And the first year was 2,500 people. 
Second year was 11,000 people. Oh, my God. The third year was over 20,000 people. This is the fourth annual Slut Walk. So, so tell me more about the intent. I'm still I'm not sure I get I get what happened to you, but I'm not sure I get the intent of the walk. So basically, we walk and we protest against rape culture, sexual violence, double standards, um, slut are you, shaming. Are you involved with Me Too? No. You're not involved with them? No. Is there a reason? No. No, just haven't been involved. Yeah. Got it. But it's the same same goals, essentially. Same goals, yeah. just a different path. Yeah. That's it. Um, and, uh, well, the Me Too movement came out after my yes. slut walk. Yes, that's true. Right. And, um, yeah, and so we protest against that, and we all make signs of anything pertaining to our lives. And, you um, feel like you're making progress? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In what way? Um, I mean, I, you know, I live in LA, the slut walk is in LA. So I, I run into women all over the place. I run into guys too. They're like, Amber, you helped my daughter so much, get her confidence back, you know, after she was sexually assaulted. Oof. And, um, um, you know, I, uh, I go to colleges. I speak to, you do. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, um, and you speak on sexual assault or sexual assault, um, awareness. I, I like to talk to the boys a lot too. Um, to tell them. Well, I just like to make them feel uncomfortable and just think in a different way. More so like, um, you know, I usually say like, you know, has anyone in here ever called a woman a whore, a hoe, a skank, a slut? And they're like, eh. you know, they're kind of hesitant. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm like, did you ever think of the act it took for your mother to have you? And they're like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to think about that. And. And I'm like, your mom was begging for your dad's come and you, you were, you know, and in turn, you know, and she became pregnant and guess what? And if your mom has more than one baby dad, she's a hoe. I mean, by society standards, she would be considered a slut. And they're like, oh man, I guess you're right. And I'm like, would you date a girl that has two baby dads? Hell no. And then I'm like, what? Your mom, does Does your mom have more than one kid? Well, yeah. Then your mom's a hoe, too. And they're like, oh, wow. I didn't even think of it that way. That's cool. Well, if you or a loved one struggle with leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive they can be. They can jolt you out of a sound sleep. That's why I've gotten behind TheraWorks Relief. You've heard me talking about TheraWorks Relief on this podcast and on television TheraWorks Relief is a non-greasy foam clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. With daily use, TheraWorks Relief can prevent muscle cramps before they start. That allows you to get a full night's sleep and do the activities that you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief takes only minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it really works. People love it. I recommend TheraWorks Relief to my family, friends, patients. Results have spoken for themselves. This is a life-changing product. TheraWorks Relief is my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours, too. Get TheraWorks Relief in the pain aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That's TheraWorks Relief for your muscle cramps. Well, what is MSRP and what is dealer price and list price and invoice or invoice? I don't know what that all means. What you want is what the actual price is. That's why we have true price from True Car. Now you'll know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you ever get to the dealership. True Car dealers know True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, and they will do so all from the comfort of your home. That's right. You see that scattergram, you learn about the car, you lock in that price, and you lock in an actual vehicle. The price, the true price for an actual vehicle on a True Car certified deal is a lot. How do you know if it's true price? How do you know it's a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. You see that scattergram. And True Car certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. And as you know, it's a simpler, more efficient, just less painful buying experience. So when you're ready to buy new or used, don't forget, True Car has used cars as well. Enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. One of the most important components of addiction recovery is accountability. And the only objective test we have is the urine toxicology screen, right? That's all we have. It's not like some other blood test we can do that magically tells us if somebody's an addict or not. It's What's coming out in the urine is the most effective screen we have and the, really the only objective screen we have. Well, many facilities require regular urine tests to ensure compliance, and compliance allows us to help the patient. 
but oftentimes these tests are not observed. This has led to an epidemic of falsified samples where patients either use someone else's urine or what's widely available, which is synthetic urine, believe it or not. The results, a lot of addicts don't get effective treatment. I learned about a new solution that virtually eliminates the possibility of faking tests, even facilities where they are unobserved. It's called ToxProtect. It's a DNA-verified drug test and lab service that provides 100% sample authenticity. ToxProtect was created by Genotox Labs. It can be used in place of any standard urine drug test. It starts with a simple one-time cheek swab. This establishes the patient identity. Once submitted, each subsequent screening uses that DNA testing to verify that the sample matches the patient. It's perfect. Additionally, ToxProtect screens for synthetic urine and irregular values that would show us that it's adulterated. I'm excited for this service being used. I think you can significantly improve addicts' chance of successful recovery. I'm going to be talking a lot more about Genotox Labs and ToxProtect on future shows. Thankfully, ToxProtect is being used by more facilities every day. Be sure to ask for it by name wherever you or a loved one is being treated. Get more information or to share this with your facility, go to drdrew.com slash ToxProtect. That's my site, drdrew.com, the website, drdrew.com slash T-O-X-P-R-O-T-E-C-T, ToxProtect. So it, it seems like, from your perspective, men and women both need work. For sure. And they're different different kinds of work. Yeah. Can you characterize it for me? For, for men, it feels, the way you describe it, and I don't think it's wrong, men are afraid of female sexuality. In, in a, in Terrifying. A, right. And, and that's sort of at the core here. They can't look at any of it. And mm. then they kind of, in, and in that fear, there's also anger, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of anger. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I, I don't know if you looked at my IG, but I just posted a video the other day where I was like, um, I'm sitting on this soft bed thinking about my slut walk this year. Um, you know, I want us to protest, but I'm in like patent leather, red, thigh high boots and like, you know, um, Pointy tit bra, like just the whole shebang, a mask, everything. So this is a dominatrix appearance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't talk about having sex. I don't talk about anything really. It's a, and the only thing that I say is like, we're allowed to be confident in our bodies and our sexuality. Let's protest against rape culture, sexual violence, blah blah blah. Every comment was like, you're a disgusting fucking pig. You are literally the epitome of a worst mother ever on earth. And it's like they... That sounds like women, though. No, it was guys. Guys. It was uh, all guys. Okay. Because it just made that... Because I was like, I want all the misogynistic men to be so fucking mad this year. And they were pissed. Because everything I said, I said with confidence. And I had that outfit on. And it made them feel very uncomfortable. I I agree. So yeah. sometimes that how did you know that would push the buttons? Oh, babe, I mean well, I, was, I, I was a stripper for a long time. But still, I mean, you know. <laughs> but still it's not immediately obvious to me that that putting on the dom stuff. Some guys are into that too, right? Rarely. Uh, uh, you know, guys that like women to like smack them around and tell them what to do. That's far and small few between yeah small number. and the rest of them are, are threatened and then angry exactly yeah. like you don't you cannot do that you need to cover up you know and they always try to tell women what we need to do with our bodies uh, and i'm so fucking sick of that shit and then women what where how would characterize their their situation um, i just feel like women for generations have been taught to you know i see a lot of comments where women are like well i've been with my boyfriend for 10 years so yeah. So I'm better than you. Well, it's like, but are you happy? Is the sex good? Are you? Do you feel fulfilled? Can be. Yeah. Yeah. And good for you. But don't, you know, I don't do porn, but I watch porn. I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch porn and then be like, ew, she's a porn star. She's fucking disgusting. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to watch porn. I'm not going to make a porn, but I appreciate what she does for a living. Let people, especially women, do what they want with their bodies and be confident with who they are. It doesn't have to be your thing. You so, don't have so to live it, that life. It, it seems like for women, for men, it's the fear and then the anger. For women, though, they feel sort of competitive and have to kind of push you down or something. Yeah. Is, is, isn't that what that is? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you experience that? How does that come at you? So we've heard, heard the men come at you full, full throttle uh-huh. of hatred. How do women come at you? Uh, same. Same. Same stuff. Yeah. They're like, uh, you know, you can be single for a while or, 
you know, um, you, uh, God, you run through those guys so fast. And it's like, I just got out of a year relationship. I cried for five months and then I met a nice guy and now I'm in another relationship. It's like, how fucking long do you want me to be single and lonely? You want me to be single because it's uncomfortable for you that I keep getting hot, successful men. That's all it is. That's what that is. It's all it is. Right. And yeah. that's sort of unfair, right? That's sort of awful that women do that to each other. It's horrible. Hmm. And, and do you think you ever could be in a long-term relationship? I mean, I have been. I've been. No, I mean long-term. Get old with somebody. I mean, listen, that's not me. That's not on me. I've, I've welcomed really toxic people in my life. And now that I'm aware of that, I, I will no longer do that. I have a healthy person now. But is it interesting how you go from uh, the reason I can't be in a long-term relationship is toxic people are all over the place. Yeah. Or I'm attracted to toxic people or they're attracted to me, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's possible to have cool people and stay with them for a long Very time. Very possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you have to be aware. You have to be very careful. Yeah. You have to know what you're getting yourself into. And I feel like you don't know what you're getting yourself into until you have that clarity and that awareness of what you're looking at and what you're dealing with. And I have that now. And it's, I tell you, some of it is reading your own attractions. Yeah. You're reading how you respond to somebody else. Sometimes you can respond to somebody very positively and know that's a bad person. Absolutely. Right? So you have yeah. some of that stuff going on. Have you had therapy ever? Recently. Mm. Um, because my last relationship was so toxic that I was, I had to analyze myself and that's when I became aware of the toxic people I was bringing into my life. Um, and we'll talk more. It's like my mom had a really rough childhood. She suffered from depression. And so I felt like I always took care of her. So the toxic people I would bring in and be like, I can help you. I can fix you. Right. And I can't, um, and so I, you know, I started to analyze myself like this, continu- this is continuing to happen. What am I doing wrong at this point? And that's what my therapist told me. She was just like, narcissists are attracted to you because you are very loving and compassionate and you want to take care of them. Right. And you They'll boost. Use, use it all up. Use it all. And I boost their ego because I'm like, no, you're great. You're awesome. You're the best. You're, and it's just a, na- I'm like a cheerleader, you mm. know? Because that's what you used to do for your mom? Well, I'm just naturally that person. But just, did you used to do that for your mom? Um, Keep her propped up? I would say I do that more now. With your mom? Yeah, I do that more now. I'm like, mom, you are capable. You can do it. You can like, you know, and my mom doesn't have a driver's license. I'm like, you live in LA. You need to, she's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm like, don't say that in front of my son ever. Cause I don't want my son to say he can't do anything. She here with you now? Yeah. She help with your son? Yeah. Oh, that's good. She does. That's yeah, really awesome. good. That's pretty cool. You you were saying you started to say something and I interrupted you. You said we'll talk later. No, I was just saying my mom's childhood was just very rough. Ah. Um, and so, you know. But some um, of that, you know, that trauma gets transmitted. You know what I mean? Her trauma gets transmitted to you by various means. Absolutely. And that is why I've had broken, fucked up people in relationships um, and now I'm aware. Is your, um, is your therapist a male or female? Female. It, it'll be it'll be great for you to do a lot of therapy. It'll help you with your show. It'll help you help other people and stuff. Yeah. Because you'll have a sort of you'll because what you'll do with her is you'll form a healthy relationship and mm. you'll see the unhealthy stuff much more clearly. Oh, babe, yeah. I see mm. it so clear now. Yeah. But I needed it. Th- I suggest therapy literally for everyone if you can yeah. afford it. I mean, I, you know, it helped me so much. I'm so aware of everything around me. It's such a beautiful thing. And I almost look back and I cringe because I'm like, fuck, like, why did I stay in that toxic ass relationship? Because I, he was pulling me in. He made me feel like I was losing the love of my life. But at the same time, I was getting abused. That's called the cycle of abuse. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how they, that's what how it they do it. It's, it's sort of a Stockholm syndrome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, where you're like you're a t- you're a, you get attached to the trauma, yep. and the abuse, and all that. Just, and then you have to, after you know, going through recovery, which can take years. Years. You know, you have to learn how to accept healthy love in your life because you're so used to the toxicity. You don't. Healthy love is almost taboo. Well, that's what I'm pushing you about because yeah. I still think you do some of that. And that's what I'm saying. If you really found somebody you connected with, you might just want to stay with them for long, long periods of time. I think, uh, you know, this guy is very new. 
But I'm not saying this is the guy that you should do that with necessarily. I'm no, just I saying I kind of feel like somebody with codependency and love addiction, all kind of those issues, usually wants to be with somebody. Yeah. The same person if it can work out. No, this guy has no ego. Mm. No. I mean, he's just like a dad. He's from Flint, Michigan. He comes from humble beginnings like me. Um, he's just an all-around good guy. So for now. For now, congratulations. <laughs> right. That's good. I mean, that's good. I mean, good for you. Yeah. Okay, so the slut walks October 6th, and um, I, I'm wondering. Well, it's really hot in here. Is it? The, I'm, I'm like sweating. Gary, we're, we're going to go a few more minutes. No, so. it's all good. So uh, Gary's going to come and turn it down. Um, do you have any feelings? I'm just curious. Uh, recently, um, Louis C.K. went back up and did some comedy, and people sort of reacted to that. Who is it? Louis C.K. He's one of the Me Too one of the guys he jacked off in front of some women and upset them. They didn't really. I don't know about that. I, I that literally story? no. Okay. It's comedian Louis C.K. No. Mm-mm. Anyway, the, the people are saying that there needs. To, well, the, the reason I bring it back up is that there's an interest now. Some people are talking about how men, not a Harvey Weinstein, but men that are just have hurt somebody, mm-hmm. how they can find their way back. How can they can redeem? What they have to do to redeem themselves. And it, it, they need to fucking apologize. They need to say, like, I, I look. I think it's more than that, though. No, but Dr. Drew, Go ahead. I, I, I feel like a lot of these men are like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do. And it's like, no. OK, you know what? Maybe you didn't realize that you were sexually assaulting someone. May I will give you the benefit of the doubt, because for generations, you men were taught that this is OK. Not just OK. It's sort of the, what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's it. Smack up, smack yep. the secretary on her ass, yep. send her on her way. You know, I understand that. I really, I really fucking doesn't make get it, it OK. But they were but they were that was the culture. It was the culture. It's yeah. just what it was. And for generations, that's all, you know. Yeah. So I just feel like the first step should be like, you know what? I was a fucking asshole. I did I did some fucked up things that I am now aware that they are they're messed up and I just want to sincerely apologize first and foremost. Let's just start there. You know, it's not going to take away the pain. So I I would also argue that they need to be able to understand the pain they've caused. Mm-hmm. Like really find some way of communicating an understanding of that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, in in twelve step and recovery, they talk about amends, which is really cleaning up your side of the street, doing yeah. not just giving apology, but making things right. Mm-hmm. So they sort of need to get active, do something, yeah, be on, go to the slot walk, yeah, be, help you in your, you know, help you in your task. Of, but that's also, you know, what what's what's really fucked up though mm-hmm. is that that is also frowned upon. What? Um, it's just that everyone is so sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like. You know, I I am a feminist, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I have a son, I have brothers, I have a father, right? Mm -hmm. So I do understand people do make mistakes, men make mistakes. So let's say, you know, someone sexually assaults someone or like, you know, whatever, touches them inappropriately and then says, you know, they apologize and and I, I realize my wrongdoings and I want to go to the slut walk. Then it's like, oh, now you want to go to the slut walk because you got caught. Okay. Or now, 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 all of a sudden, you're some like male feminist that okay, wants to like, enough, you enough. know what I mean? So it's yeah. like kind of like you're damned That's if you like, do, well, if you're damned if you but, don't. But maybe you're, you're right. They should do something quieter. Yeah. But they should still do something for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, listen, uh, it has been a privilege. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time. <laughs> I, I feel like we've been orbiting in the same worlds for, for a while sure. and just like missing each other. Mm-hmm. But I, I so appreciate you coming in. I Thank wish you, you absolutely the best with the Amber Rose show. Uh, completely 100% behind the slut walk. Um, Can you come this year? Uh, I maybe can. Yes, yeah, I'd like by. to try. October. I'm going to put it on my calendar when we finish up here. So. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's free. Just come. We have, you know, obviously gated security, everything. Where does it start? Do you know yet? When, as soon as you find out where it starts, you're going to tell me. And then, yeah, then I'll that'll, tell that'll you. Determine and just follow me, um, especially on um, uh, Instagram, at Amber Rose. I'll let you know the exact block that we're going to start on this year. I'm more worried about parking than anything. No, don't. No, you have to Uber. You have to Uber in. Okay. You must Uber. Okay. Yeah. Do, can, not... do you take the trains? Yeah, you can take the trains. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to share with people for uh, make up? sure you download my app, the Ambrose app, uh, download and subscribe for all 100% original content that you're not going to find on any of my other social media sites. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for really having has. me. Really has. Thank you so much. And mm-hmm. that'll do it. We'll see you next time. All right. 
For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or Dr. Dr. Drew.com.